Lord, that they would um, find comfort in you and healing, both physical, emotional, phys- and mental healing, Lord, but most of all, that they would walk daily with you, growing in you, Lord. We ask that you would be with the missionaries that we support and, and others, that they would be on task doing what you have called them to do and that we would remain on task doing what you have called us to do. Lord, we give you praise. We thank you, Lord. Just want to mention a few names, Lord. Phil and and Denise Cass, uh, Mildred Coleman, uh, Grandma Daisy, um, the Bates, Samantha, Sherry, Floyd. Lord, would you heal, strengthen, and guide each one. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings that you've bestowed upon us, the grace that you've given us. Would you guide us now as we worship, Lord, and and bind our hearts together in unity as we focus on you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys want to stand up with us and we're going to sing some songs here um, we're going to start with are you washed in the blood and if you're looking in the hymnal we're gonna um, just do verses one two and four so it's on page <laughs> 376 have you been to jesus for the cleansing power are you washed in the Thank you. 
I didn't really introduce our song leaders today. Probably don't need introduce, but it's good to have Mary and Molly here. Mary's visiting, visiting right? And so they're going to do a special for us today as well. Uh, it's nice to have others come up and share in, in leading the worship music. I thought they did a great job, don't you? So. We're blessed to have a lot of good musicians, so I hope that you're praying about how the Lord wants to use you, not only at home, but here in the church. I will turn it over to you now. Thank you. Okay, uh, this song is a song that I grew up listening to my mom and her sisters sing. Um, we actually recorded it on our CD a couple of years ago. It's one called, Thank God for My Christian Home. If you look on my family with pity And you wonder how we struggle along Then your eyes can see all my riches Thank God for my Christian home When I'm sad and discouraged from Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and thank you, Lord, for your word that you've given to us that that many of us, just like this last song that was sung, are so blessed that we have had Christian homes. 
in which our parents sought and grandparents sought to follow you, Lord, and, and live out uh, with a, their lives with a biblical perspective and raise us with biblical perspectives. But also thank you, Lord, for those who have come to know you apart from a family that didn't know you, Lord. And we pray that we would be able to reach those families that are in need uh, of salvation and of of an understanding of how to live a life that could be better because they they can know your word and what you expect and that your principles and, and your commands uh, bless families. They bless our lives. So Lord, we, we pray that you would guide us to live by your word, um, that we would reach out to those in need that don't know your word, and as we look to it this morning, that we would indeed take good stock of it, understand it, and apply it to our lives. Uh, and Lord, uh, we ask for your Spirit's help in this endeavor. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be turning to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. And this has been... Uh, well, there's a lot of sermons, I suppose, that I title as Dedicated Life. And so as we come to this, this passage, though, I think it's important for us to see how you have to be dedicated to follow through uh, on, in obedience to the Lord God, obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I'd like to share a story about a young boy uh, who was in a family that wasn't well off, but they, they weren't bad off either. He, he was used to being told no, except maybe by his mom. You know, he had a little bit of her ear, being a mama's boy and all. But he didn't expect his parents to say yes to his request in this small rural grocery store. He had just come across the, the newly displayed Caps that hadn't been there before, as far as he knew, is a grocery store. They didn't sell caps, but there in the store was a nice little display of caps. And one of them got his attention. One of them was, was red with a white front with trucks on it, and it said, keep on trucking. He fell in love with that cap, and to his surprise, his mom said, yes, you can have that cap if you take good care of it. And he did that day, that is, until the day he was riding home on the bus and was by the window and a gust of wind came through the hot bus and blew it out the window and he thought he'd never see it again and quietly cried there as a brother or sister saw and tried to get the bus driver to stop. But that didn't happen. Loving parents decided to take him back to the spot where the cap had been had flown out, and he went and started looking. And after what seemed to be a long while in this grassy fields, parents started saying, well, it's time to go. He needed just a few more minutes. What seemed to be a, a long time after that, he finally found his cap. He was dedicated to finding that cap, no matter what took place. And he did find it. And maybe that cap defined him as kindergarten year, I don't know. But there's a lot of things that define us, and hopefully it's our dedication 
to the Lord just as this young man, this little boy was dedicated to finding his prized, most prized possession. What defines us? What we wear, the caps we wear, the pickups we drive, the tractors we use, the the semi-trucks we drive, the work we do, the families we're in, the sports we play. Not really here to talk to you about what defines us, although what we're dedicated to will define us. So what are we dedicated to? Or who are we dedicated to? In this powerful passage uh, that Jesus is is addressing his disciples about a, a specific time. This is a certain time, a specific time with a specific mission in this passage to begin with. But even though there's a specific mission for these disciples in this specific time, there are these ideas and concepts and rules and understandings that we need to grapple with. Uh, they're given, generally given for all of us believers. And, and, and in this passage, we'll find as well that there's commands for the Lord's followers throughout the age that we're in, leading up into the tribulation. And all of the all of the, the passages in the Gospels draw us to an issue of are we dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ? Now as by faith we are saved by his grace, not through our works, but we're saved to do good works. Remember, we've talked about this last Sunday. The problem for us here in this day and age is oftentimes uh, the things that give us immediate gratification, uh, the things that we have our eyes on, those appear to be the things that we should be dedicated to. There's There's a danger for us when we do enjoy the, the joys that, and the blessings that the Lord God has given us. I believe there's more of a danger for us to that when we en- enjoy those things, we get confused and dissuaded and we lose our dedication to follow the risen Savior. So the challenge for us today as we go through this passage, as we grapple with some of it, is that a dedicated life is one that is undeterred, undeterred by life's joys and dangers. It's not distracted. Now Jesus is calling all of his followers to be dedicated to him and therefore his commands. And and he first called his disciples to be dedicated to proclaim the message. Let's look at verse 5. I'm going to read verses 5 through 15. Um, MacArthur dubs this little portion the task of the ministry. These 12, Jesus, and of course we have the list of the, the 12 disciples. These 12, Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep 
of the house of Israel. Just to remind you, this is a specific time. Jesus is, is sending the disciples out to do what he himself had been doing to proclaim that the, and as John the Baptist had done, that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. That is, the Messiah is here. Turn to him, repent, and accept Jesus as Messiah, the anointed one, the one that they had waited so many years for. And all of the, the miracles testify to the truth that Jesus Christ is their Messiah, their King. Verse 7, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts or a bag for your journey or even two coats or sandals or a staff for the worker is worthy of his support. And whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it and stay at his house until you leave that city. As you enter the house, give it your greeting. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if it is not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. Whoever does not receive you, nor heed your words, as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet, symbolically saying, <laughs> okay, I give you over. Truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Again, and as some point out uh, in their commentaries, Jesus' first apostolic mission was twofold here with his disciples. One, for them to reach the lost with the gospel message, that is, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is walking the land. Are you ready for him? And there comes into play with that, was it a real offer of the kingdom at that time? I believe it was, much like the doctrine of whether Jesus could sin, the peccability or impeccability of Christ. Was he really tempted if he could really sin? I mean, anyway, yeah, it is a real offer of the kingdom for the Jews. And that's why it was simply for the Jews at this time. The Messiah is here today. Will you turn to him? Will you accept him? But for them to go out and to do this, to to proclaim this message, it was twofold though, and also to continue their education. He was instructing his disciples how to reproduce disciples. And so let's go through this just real briefly. They had a specific command, right? They were to preach the message. They were to preach the message. They were to heal and in all of this, they were also to trust. In this specific command, they were to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They were to heal, validating that they were working for the Messiah, that the Messiah was the Messiah, and to trust. Trust. Don't take too much. <laughs> you may not know where you're going to stay. You may not know what you're going to eat. But trust the Lord Jesus to provide. There's many more lessons within this. 
But they had a specific command and they had a specific message. He was wanting them to truly proclaim the message to those in need. And he wanted the disciples to to also grow in the proclamation of the word, as I mentioned. But about the kingdom. The message was about the kingdom. And it reminds me again and always of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. For us, you know, those who believe are kingdom citizens. Even for them. Those who believe would be kingdom citizens accepting the Messiah and the King. For us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, today the kingdom, we, we wait for the full physical unleashing or unveiling of the kingdom of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the millennial kingdom of Christ. But we are placed into his glorious kingdom of light. Which means, while we are here, we are on foreign ground as ambassadors proclaiming the message of the gospel of the kingdom. And more specifically, the message of the gospel of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. This kingdom grows through, through our kingdom living and our kingdom preaching. But again, this kingdom is yet future for its full physical unveiling. But the, it's about the kingdom. And it's about the, the message was about the king. The kingdom of heaven is a, above all the domain of God's lordship. Where he rules by his divine will. Does the Lord Jesus rule today? Yes. Not as powerfully as we would like to see. Even though he is greatly powerful. But he is in control. The Lord God is in control. In this passage, we find that they were being instructed on how to reproduce disciples. The question for us today is, what are we doing? We have the Great Commission. This is specific to the disciples. But yet, we have the Great Commission given to us as all believers to proclaim the gospel message. Let's look at this just a little bit more and we'll continue to move on and, and grapple with this a little more because of time, better keep moving. They had a special backing. Didn't they? Who gave them the command? Messiah Jesus, the King, Jesus, gave this command to them. And he gave them the ability to do what would reaffirm the message. They had the authority to preach. They were in a special time again to proclaim the king who was there and offering himself to the Jewish people. It was a real offer which the people rejected despite all the signs that fulfilled the prophecy. All the prophecies. they go out with confidence and everybody here should say yes these are the disciples come on that's a silly question well as you read the gospels did they have the confidence they needed all the time no praise the lord on the day of pentecost the father and son sent the holy spirit 
to indwell and to guide and to bring remembrance and give them the boldness to proclaim the gospel message. But the question for us today that I really want you to grapple with as we move into 2021 is, am I dedicated and who am I dedicated to or what am I dedicated to? Because a dedicated life is undeterred by whatever's going on. Secondly, he calls his followers to boldly persevere. And this is where it really gets dicey, okay? So hang on. Let's read this. Uh, again, MacArthur titles verses 16 on to the reaction to ministry. In verse 16, we see that there's going to be some problems here, guys. I'm sending you out. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Uh, he, who here in their right mind would send some little domesticated animals, let alone let it be sheep, in a bunch of, into a bunch of wolves? You know, let's say we go up there to Rapid City to, uh, uh, don't they have a place, there's bear, bear country, don't they have wolves up there too someplace? Nope. Let's go up there and let's throw some sheep out and see what happens. Okay? All right. Now get that picture in your head. Maybe let it go now. Let it go. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you and you in their synagogues, and you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how you, how or what you are to say, for it will be given to you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Brother will betray brother. Here in verse 21, we see a picture of a specific time and I'm getting ahead of my notes just a little bit, but you see the emphasis and the pictures here, and we really look to the beginning of the persecution within the Great Tribulation, okay? It's not limited to that because, of course, we see this through the ages, right? But look here at the wording in this portion of the Scripture. Brother will betray brother to death. And a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. But whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Okay, some of the wording here, again, I believe is specific for the tribulation, although we've seen it from the very dawning of the church after the day of Pentecost. Well, what can we learn from this? That we need to boldly persevere, right? This is a challenge, boldly persevere. <laughs> persevere, persevere. I need a little more coffee this morning. In 16 through 23, we see that 
that there is to be a dedicated walk, but this dedicated walk is dangerous. And are you ready? This is a promise. This is a promise. Matthew 10, 16. Uh, this is kind of a telescope here where some of this is intended for the disciples' use as they go out at this time, and some of it, it, it would not take place until after Pentecost. Well, some of this still speaks to what will happen again towards the Great Tribulation. And again, many of it has already taken place, but there's principles here, and principle that we're looking at is persevere. Because there will be great persecution even within families. And we see tokens of this as we see from religious groups that see the conversion of someone that is someone who turns to believe, repent, and believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think I've shared a story, a personal story, uh, of a missionary of one of my past professors who said there was a guy that wouldn't that he had witnessed to and had wanted to come to know Jesus as a Savior. He was ready to believe, but he wasn't ready. He said, I need to think about and pray about this. And as he, he thought and prayed, he said, okay, I'm ready to turn to the Lord Jesus by faith. And then he said, and I'm ready to be baptized. It meant his life. And it meant his life at the hands of his family. And we've all read the story. This will be in a greater sense. This will take place in, on a greater scale during the time of the Great Tribulation. Now, in verse 22, we could say, you know, those who endure to the end will be saved. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. A picture of, of making it through the tribulation, physically being saved. Another thought on this is that that is physically and be ushered into the millennial kingdom. Uh, but when you read through Revelations, what a great reward it is for those who are tribulation martyrs as well. But we do not earn our salvation by endurance, but endurance proves it. Continuance is a verification of being a real Christian. We believe in the perseverance of the saints. But if things get very, very hard, very, very difficult, the ones who, and it's not a temporary stepping aside, it is a continual disassociation from the Messiah, from Jesus. And so here we see that those who persevere through are true believers. You may temporarily lapse. And we've seen stories in history where there have been those who have temporarily lapsed and, and said, no, I, I don't want to associate because I don't want to lose my life. And they come back and they say, I'm willing to stand with Christ. It's the faith bearing itself out in how they live and their willingness to die for Christ. The proclamation in verse 23 to move on 
in verse 23, the, the proclamation of going throughout the cities and towns is a picture of during the tribulation. But when we look at this, we could look at the past. We know that, that many were handed over. Many have been persecuted. And today we know that there are those who are being persecuted. And in the future, there will be. To the disciple, what does Jesus promise? To the disciple, he promises hardship, suffering, and death. Verses 16 and 17, let's back up just a little bit. The dedicated walk is a dangerous one. The dedicated walk must be a cautious one. We don't run to the sword. <laughs> At least I don't. What does he start out saying here in 16 and 17? Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So, hey, run out there and try to get yourself chewed up as soon as you can. Right? Oh, be shrewd as serpents. And innocent as doves. And then he goes on, but beware of men, for they will hand you over. And so we did, we need to be cautious. He does not send out his followers without warning about the demands and dangers of discipleship. There's a, there's a challenge here for us to have great wisdom and yet be innocent, to, to be cunning and yet gentle. To be willing to be discreet. And innocent here is not to be naive. So we're reminded that the battle is not against flesh and blood. As, as we look at Ephesians chapter 6 starting at verse 10. It's not against flesh and blood. But those spiritual enemies spiritual forces, those spiritual forces use humans. Don't they? And so verse 17 is important for us to see. It is through men that these spiritual forces do their wicked work. So to be, so be cautious. Also the dedicated walk will receive divine help. You are not left alone. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly lives, live godly in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted, and yet you are not left alone. Whether you're proclaiming the message or you're living the life, it will draw in people who will want to persecute you in a world that is bent on rejecting God. We've been blessed in the United States of America. Are we prepared for what may come next? We pray for a revival. And the revival, as someone said this morning on the phone with me, starts with the church. Or maybe it was one of the elders. And the question is, yeah, we need, we need revival in the church. Did you know I was listening to a, a, news, a, a World Magazine new, newscast podcast and he mentioned that in one study that the regular people that attend church those are that are considered regulars are those that go to church four out of eight Sundays 
Is that right? So if you go to church four out of eight Sundays, you're considered a regular. That's not right. <laughs> Is that dedication to the Lord? And you say, Pastor Lee, wait. Wait a second. We are, folks, commanded not to forsake the assembling together as we see the day approaching. So it must start with the church. Do we know his word? Now, don't worry. In this passage, it, there's this idea, you know, or there's this teaching. Don't worry about what you're going to say when you're being brought before the authorities, when you're being brought out, when you're going to be persecuted, or me, maybe even when we look in history as they were being burned at the stake. God's going to give us, through his Holy Spirit, the right words to say. It doesn't mean that we just go about our lives thinking, I know Jesus, and not grow in the word of God. Because the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God in our lives. So we are to know the Word of God. We are to grow in Him. But when the day is approaching, as we see things happening, we don't forsake the assembling together, but we are prepared, not worried about the answers we will give to people. But it doesn't mean we slack off in what we study, what we know. So we're to know His Word, but don't worry. We're to be mature, but don't worry about what you're going to say. The Lord God, through His Holy Spirit, will give you the right words at the right time. Jesus gave a graphic illustration of the rejection and persecution by a God-hating world they faced because of Him. But He, re, uh, he encouraged them because... He was there with them, and they would not be left alone. You know, most, you know, sometimes we look out in, in the world and we think that those who, who are being persecuted, it's far easier for them to stay committed to the Lord than those of us who have great uh, blessings. I think it's a little easier just to see who really is a believer in those cultures. And the challenge for us here today is that, friends, we can persevere. Do not worry, but cling to Christ. Don't be fearful. Be bold. Trust in Him. But persevere by clinging to Christ, being willing to, to follow Him wherever He leads or wherever He tells you to go, even if it's in the midst of wolves. A dedicated life is undeterred by life's joys and dangers. And finally, He wants us to knowingly follow. And so we're kind of going over some of what we've already have seen. But would you follow along in verse 24? A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. On this portion of scripture, the cost of ministry. So 24, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become. Note, disciple, the disciple. This is a general term for all those who follow Christ. Uh, in my notes, I have it is a disciple, indefinite third person. Okay. In addition to the second person, you, indicates Jesus is speaking about every believer, okay? So coming back, a disciple. It is enough for the disciple, in verse 25, 
that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they have called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign the members of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Look at that, verse 30. Some of us know that verse. You know the context? (laughs) In the midst of persecution, no, that you are very valuable. Verse 31, so do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And He who does not take his cross and follow me after me is not worthy of me. Now there's a lot in verse 38 we can go over. We're not going to get to it today. Just know that cross is a picture of walking towards your death. Verse 39. He who has found his life will lose it. He who has lost his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. Again, a lot of this has some pictures pointing to the tribulation. And yet, a lot of it is very applicable. All of it is very applicable for us today. First, noting that there is a cost which we have just talked about, right? Verse 24 and 25, there may be persecution. If they persecuted Jesus, they'll persecute his followers. Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him. Paul forsakes all of the religious life that, that people think to can't help them earn salvation. You can't earn salvation. You can't buy salvation. You can't earn it. You have to come to Jesus Christ on his terms, which is by faith. Now, this is talking about living that faith out. And so Paul is saying that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. He cast all his good works aside, all of his religion aside, that he may know him, that is Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, that is being kindred spirits in Christ's sufferings, being conformed to Jesus' death in order that I may obtain, attain to the resurrection from the dead. Are we like Paul, willing to cast aside everything else for Christ? 
if they want nothing of Jesus, then they will want nothing of his dedicated followers. And so we need to count the cost. And there will be family strife. Verse 26 through 31, there must be bravery. You know, it is hard to speak up. It is hard to represent Jesus by visibly standing for biblical truth. Isn't it? It is far easier to think that someone doesn't want to hear what the Bible has to say. Right? I can easily convince myself of that. They don't want to hear this now. I mean, we don't want to drop a, a G-bomb. A gospel bomb right in the lap of someone. And like, what? Where'd this come from? Right? We want to have a relationship with people where we're able to talk about Jesus. But man, you know, if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl again, I'm going to talk about that. Shouldn't I be talking about Jesus just as adamantly and, and excitedly, you know? Uh, you know, starting a conversation, yeah, this is, it's a nice day, and this is what I've done. How about those chiefs? Well, how about Jesus? <laughs> but prayerfully consider how he wants us to talk to others about him. It is far easier to think that people don't want to talk about spiritual things. You know, count the cost. Are you willing to follow Christ? But look at verse 28. Here's some encouragement, okay? <laughs> Bravely know your future. Number one, we're, we're the Lord Jesus. People, his ambassadors, we are gods. And we have a sure future. And so, verse 28, bravely know your future. Verse 29 through 31, bravely know your value. You're worth more than a sparrow. And you guys, yeah, <laughs> right, I know that. <laughs> but not one sparrow falls to the ground without the Lord knowing, knowing it. Verse 32 through 39, bravely know the battle. And I think of uh, some old movies on the Revolutionary War where they're about to lose and they've been pushed back past the hill and and now they have an uphill battle to fight. We may be on that downside of that hill. And yet, the movies we like is when they resurge. And they, re, they come together. And they rally the troops. And they make it back up that hill. And as they make it back up that hill, they see just how close to winning the battle they were. The battle's not over until the Lord says it's over. It may be difficult. And what kind of battle are we talking about? A battle about pointing people to Jesus Christ. A battle about standing up for what is right and true. A battle that's telling people, this is sin and you need Jesus. Verses 40 to 42, bravely know your ally. We can kind of go through that uh, looking at you know the future. I just want to challenge you. There's an old adage. It is not wrong to escape from danger, only from duty. It is not wrong to escape from danger, only from duty. 
And the question is, are we dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ and do we know what he has called us to do? We have been given a great commission to make disciples. Are we doing it? There is a great future. Jesus is coming again. But a dedicated life is undeterred by life's joys and dangers. That same podcast that I had listened to about the news mentioned in 2020 there were three major preachers of the gospel, apologists, or proclaimers of the message. And I don't know how I missed it, but in October news came out about one of them who passed away and some things that he had done. And it just tore me up. How on earth are we going to be examples of the gospel? Are we going to get people's attention if this stuff keeps happening? I just cannot believe it. So the question is, are we tarnishing the gospel? Are people going to actually listen because of how we live? Are we going to live what we preach? And are we going to preach what we live? And how we're living, is it what God has called us to do? Or are we doing it our own way? God is not undeterred by those who fail in such drastic ways. But we must persevere in walking with our Savior. We have to follow Him daily. And if we're following Him, not only will we live the way that would bring Him glory instead of tarnishing His great name, but we will be able to proclaim the gospel and bring glory to His name. Don't be discouraged. God still uses sinful men. But it is pretty disheartening, isn't it? Now there's a battle that's beginning to take place. Are we united in Jesus Christ? Hope we are. If we all focus our attention to Him and His Word, He's got great things ahead for all of us. Kids, there's no one more important than Jesus Christ. Do you know him? I mean, if we're saying, and I don't know how much, I, I don't put much stock into polls. <laughs> they don't tend to pan out. But if they're saying regular believers or churchgoers are ones that go four out of eight weeks, four out of eight times, there's something really, really messed up. As the day draws near, are we going to forsake the assembling? As the day draws near, are we going to forsake uh, our calling? And we're called to make disciples. How does this begin? What kind of uh, strategy can we put into place? I want you here learning and worshiping with one another, encouraging one another, because you need it. And I need it, right? We need it. Now, if you're off fighting the battle by yourself, you're going to be overwhelmed and you're going to be discouraged. So we need to be here encouraging one another. We need to be studying the Word of God. 
And we need to be people with a strategy in the sense of how many, how big of a difference will we make if each one of us disciple, bring someone to know Christ or encourage someone to grow in Christ this year? Do you have one person in mind? That's where we could begin. One person. Think of one person. Pray for one person. Think about this one person and then get involved in their life and point them to Christ. Now, if you want to do 10, 20, 30, 50, be evangelist, more power to you. One person, at least. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And please forgive us when we fail, when we stumble as individuals and as a people. And we tarnish your great name. We pray, Lord, for your forgiveness. And we pray, Lord, you would use us in spite of our failures. May we not be people who just are willing to give in to our failures, but that we would be accountable. People who are are willing to grow and obey you in every way knowing the blessings that we have with you are far greater than without you. And knowing that even if we walk and follow you, that we may have a great battle ahead, that that is far greater, far, far better than the pathetic things this world has to offer. Help us to keep our eyes on you, focused upon you, proclaiming the gospel message. We love you, Lord. Give us wisdom and strength in Jesus' name. Amen. As our uh, youth come up to take up the spirit,